So my name is Sky Becker, and I'm one of the community pastors here at Itaewon Campus. And I also um, co-direct, help lead uh, Jerusalem Ministry, which is an orphanage ministry here in Seoul. Um, so I want to ask you guys a question to ask yourselves. So how are you living your life? Are you living a life of freedom? And are you enjoying your life to the full? You know, if you're able to say yes, praise God, praise God. But if not, why not? What's holding you back? What's stopping you? Maybe some of you might get really excited to answer this question. Hey, I can tell you all about why my life sucks. Here, let me tell you all about it. You know, my boss is the worst boss ever. And I don't have money. I have financial struggles. Maybe your family is a mess. Maybe you have your reasons why your life is not so easy. And it's understandable. But sometimes I see people who are in far worse situations than us, speaking generally, who are from, you know, nice countries that we can come to Korea to work and to make money and whatnot. People who are in, like, North Korea, Christians underground, they're able to live their life to the fullest with their entire life to live out for the Lord. And people like missionaries working in the slums of India or developing countries and who don't have money for to, um, I guess, provide for their daily bread, but they have to rely solely on the Lord. They're still living the life to the fullest. What's the secret? What, what allows them to do that, right? And I want to say that it depends on how we look at it. It depends on how we look at our lives. And ultimately, it depends on where our heart is. And today, I'm wearing my glasses. <laughs> I don't normally wear glasses to, uh, to church on Sunday. But I'm here to, you know, make a point with my glasses. So for people with bad eyesight, we wear glasses, right? How many of you guys wear glasses? Wow, a lot of us, right? And these are my new pair of glasses, by the way, that... Um, <laughs> I promised my brother that I'll give him a shout out because it's, uh, I, you know, I, it, I was one, in one of those ruts where I'm like, should I get it? Should I not get it at, at the store? I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then I went home and I was like, actually, I want it. So <laughs> I told my brother, hey, can you go get it? And he's like, what do I get for it? So I told him I'll give him a shout out <laughs> that he's the best brother in the world. Um, and also that I'll give him housing when he comes to Korea or something like that. It was pretty good, right? Pretty good deal just to get a pair of glasses for me. But anyway, there it is. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, you're the best brother in the world. But um, anyway, what happens when I wear my glasses? Why am I wearing it? What happens? Right? Blurry world suddenly becomes clear. It's a better world for me. Without my glasses, I can't see who's who right now. I can't even see Jane probably without my glasses. But what if, here, I have another, uh-oh, prop. What if I wear my sunglasses? What do I see? Actually, these are not prescripted at all, so I don't see anything. <laughs> but what color do I see the world in? Darker, right? All right, I, enough of this. I can't see. <laughs> And what if I were to take my glasses and I dropped it on the floor and someone stepped over it 
And, you know, thankfully it survives and it has all these scratches and cracks on it. I put it back on. Then what do I see? Scratches, right? You get my point, right? Whatever lens we see the world through, it's going to affect the way we see it. You know, with my nice glasses on, I see the world clearer. With my sunglasses on, I see the world darker and blurry because it's not prescriptive, right? With my scratched up, broken glasses on, I will see the world in a mess. And in a spiritual sense, we see the world through all kinds of glasses. Do you agree? I want you to think about yourself for, for a moment. What kind of glasses am I wearing with my life? How do I see my world? How do I see the life that God's given me? What kind of lens do I look, look at my life through? Because some of us live the life with the wrong kind of glasses on. Is it appropriate for me to wear my sunglasses here? I was going to put it back again, but it's too much work. <laughs> if I were to wear my sunglasses inside here, is it appropriate for me to wear it? No, right? Have you guys ever um, got, had, uh, had this happen to you where you go into a, rest, uh, a building and all of a sudden you're like, man, complaining, like, why is it so dark in here? And you feel so dumb later because you're like, oh, wait, I have my sunglasses on, you know? I do it all the time. I'm like, oh, all right, I just take off my glasses on, see better. But how, don't you think we do that so many times spiritually? You know, God has gifted us with so much here. But don't we just complain and take things for granted because we're sometimes focused on the wrong things and seeing the world through the wrong lens. So here are some of the wrong glasses I think we put on. Comparison, criticism, regret. And I'm sure there's a lot of other ones that I can uh, talk about, but today I just want to focus on these three things. Comparison, criticism, and regret. Let's look at today's passage to see the best example of this. Uh, Let's turn to Numbers 13. Numbers 13. I'm going to read from 1325 to 33 and 14, 1 through 9. This is when uh, Moses sends 12 spies to check out the the land of Canaan as God commanded him to. Um. So he sends out the best of the best. Uh, so the best of the each tribe. So 12 of them goes into the land of Canaan to see what the promised land looks like. Okay. Verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebushites, And the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the man who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. 
So they brought the people, brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, "The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in our of great height." And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like a grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. And then the people rebel. Verse fourteen, one through nine. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, "Would that we died in the land of Egypt, or would that we died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt?" Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephune, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, "The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey." Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So, wrong glasses. Number one is comparison. You know, we live in a world of social media, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram. We're in a day. We're in day and age where we have so much access to other people's lives. You know, I was away for two weeks, but I know what y'all, some of y'all did, the past two weeks because of Facebook, because I'm keeping up with people, people's lives, right? And people are posting the best things of, about their lives, and you see, you rarely see somebody posting, "Oh, I'm so struggling and I'm depressed." If they do, you probably want to defriend the person or not follow because it makes you depressed, right? So you start comparing yourself to all these things you see uh, on social media. What? What? Candace went to Bahamas. I've never been outside of my country. Man, my life sucks. You know. And what? I'm trying to pick up. Jane goes to In and Out every day because she lives in Cali. Man, I'm missing out. My life really sucks. You know. I mean, these are like the light stuff, but sometimes you can really look at somebody's life and compare it to your life, right? And to be honest. For me, with Pinterest, I never thought I dressed bad until I looked at Pinterest. <laughs> I'm just being really honest. Pinterest is a site where you can, you know, pin all these、uh, the latest fashion and you know all the must-do DIY stuff and everything. But what it does is that that you put standards upon yourself and you start kind of cutting down on、um, on your own life or on yourself. And what about advertisements? That constantly tells you what you need, puts feelings of lack in you. You need the new iPhone six that hasn't come out yet, you know. <laughs> Or, you know, we start focusing on what we don't have than what we have. And Jam, John Michael, and I, my husband and I, have a beautiful home. But if I keep looking at、um, like interior design magazines, I'll probably start complaining about, oh, how my apartment doesn't look as nice as the ones I see in the magazine. What about people, family members, yourself? 
Have people, anyone put standards of others on you? Why am I not smart like him? Why am I not pretty like her? Why am I not as successful as that person? And Israelites did the same thing. God told them to go check out the land because he wanted to get them excited. It wasn't to uh, put fear in them, but so that they could see what they're going to get. You know, it's like incentive. If a guy knew, you know, if I work out really hard and I could probably woo this girl, there's an incentive, right, that makes you want to work out more. I mean, God wanted to show them how amazing this land is going to be, the one that they're going to conquer and, and claim for themselves. But instead, they go in, what, and what do, they, what do they come back with? A bad report. They, verse 2, it says, from each, um, wait, wait, wait. And they all come back chickened out because they saw how big uh, the, the Nephilims were and that they were like grasshoppers to them. And you're talking about 12 of the best of the best of the tribes because verse 2 said that from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So you're talking about the leaders of these, um, each clan gathering and going there and comparing themselves to these giants. And, but then two out of 12 had the right glasses on. And who are they? Joshua and Caleb, right? What do they say? They say, do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. They're like bread, they're meal, like pop in Korean, you say. Uh, it's a, also a Korean phrase too. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them, which is the truth. And key to putting on the right glasses is to know your identity. You got to know who you are. If you don't know who you are and see other people and start comparing, then you're going to take on false identities that is not yours. The 10 other um, spies weren't able to see the truth that God was with them and God has, has removed the protection uh, from these giants and that they are kind of helpless because, um, yeah, because God was going to assure them the, 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 the victory for the Israelites. So comparison only delays us from reaching our destiny. You know why? Because... The rest couldn't believe that these giants uh, would be defeated. They could defeat these giants. So as a result, because of their unbelief and because of their complaining, what happened? They wandered in the desert for 40 years. It only delayed them from reaching their destiny. Comparison only locks us down and keeps us from moving forward. And just like we sang earlier with the song, I was just, I love that song and makes me cry like a baby every time that, um, are you smiling? Are you proud? You know, I believe you are. And this changes everything. Who are you trying to make proud? Are you trying to make proud other people, other people's eyes, yourself or your parents? Who are you trying to make proud? I think only thing that should matter is God and how he sees you. So here are some practical ways to um, help put on the right glasses of the truth. One, number one is to memorize verses. Or at least surround yourself with the word of God. Because the word of God is the only source where you will know your true identity. And, you know, put it in places where you will see them. If you don't, you have a hard time memorizing, then put them where you eat. 
put them where, um, you know, bathroom, when you wake up in the morning, mirror, wherever you feel like you will have the most access to and see and be reminded of your true identity, surround yourself with the word of God. And second thing is also you can memorize identities in Christ. How, how many of you guys know what identities Christ in Christ means or what, it, what that is? Yeah, it's time to bring it back again. <laughs> a lot of leaders are aware of this. It's a list of 36 identities that Pastor John Michael compiled together that um, tells us uh, of our identities in Christ. Such as, I am a new creation. I am redeemed. I belong to God. I am anointed and sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive in Christ. These identities are the ones that we are to put on ourselves and to look at the world through, not by comparing, but looking at how the world, how, how God sees us. So I'm going to try to uh, post the documents, I guess, on Facebook page, New Philly Facebook page, so people can have access to it. But memorizing it and reciting it over, over yourself and proclaiming the truth over any area that you're struggling with, comparing uh, yourself or other things with, I, I challenge you to do this. And this is something I'm doing on another practical way is to stop looking at things that make you compare, if you can. I mean, you can't get away from the world, right? You can't lock yourself up in a room and just ignore everything else. But things like doing too much Pinterest, doing too much Facebook, doing too much Instagram, where if you feel like it's a stronghold in your life that keeps bringing you back to a feeling of lack, feeling of, oh, why am I, what's wrong with me? I, 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 so I'm abstaining from Pinterest and or any kind of shopping or anything like that for 100 days. And sometimes it's hard. <laughs> so instead of like trying to shop for the, you know, like for nice clothes or nice things or whatnot, I just chose to just spend time with the Lord and ask God like for more inspiration rather than trying to see other people and get inspiration from other people, you know? Yeah. So... Wrong glasses, number two. What was that? Criticism. Verse three, it says, Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So people are complaining. Very critical of the situation. But when we look at it, Wait a second. Did you really say that God is trying to make you fall by the sword and little ones will become a prey? Have you forgotten about how God delivered you, delivered you from Egypt? Have you forgotten how they, you know, God has rescued, rescued you out of Egypt, Egyptian putting you to labor camp? I mean, have they forgotten how God fed them in the middle of nowhere through miraculous ways? You know, the critical spirit, what it does is to, Put a blindfold on your eyes to see God's wonderful works in your life. You know, being critical of things robs us of the joy that we can have by being content with what we have. It's brief, briefly, when I was 13, my family moved to the States and my parents got divorced right away. And my dad was taken away by the cops for trying to kill my mom and, um, I started living with my two stepbrothers right away as my mom got remarried. It was just a really big whirlwind of mess in my life uh, when I was 13. And um, after, I guess, a year of living with my stepdad, my 
brother actually had to go with my dad, so he won't be mistreated by my stepdad. So every single day for a year and a half, until I got to see my brother again, I cried almost every night. And sometimes I would bang my head against the, the wall so that I would forget about the pain of the reality. But, you know, even midst of that kind of miserable state I feel like I was in as a kid, I never, ever came across the thought, I want to kill myself. And I feel like it was a huge grace because every time I would feel so defeated, so like, man, I, don't, I just want to get away from this reality, what something whispered in my ears, something that wasn't me, it whispered in my ears, hey, you know, but look at your family. You're still with your family at least. And at least your body isn't ill or you have good health. You know, when, you, when I looked at the world around me, at least I saw that I was still privileged compared to, you know, this is, I guess, good comparing that I'm blessed, I'm thankful, you know. But I believe that was God. That wasn't me um, telling me and reminding me that there's still many blessings in my life regardless of what was happening at the time. And he gave me hope for more, for, for my future. And, you know, James 117 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And you have to recognize that anything good is from the Lord. I mean, evil is from Satan. And that means that the reason why we have anything good in this world even though Satan is the one that has the throne over this world, is because God has given the good things and good gifts to us. And it's because of his grace, because of his choice. And we have to recognize that. We have to give him credit for it. Okay? So how do I put on the right glasses over criticism? What do you guys think? <laughs> Thankfulness. I think someone said it. Thank you. Thankfulness. Thankfulness helps us to recognize a giver, and it makes you more thankful. Did you know that if you smile, even though you, you don't feel like smiling, it makes you happy? Did you know that? <laughs> no, I heard, uh, I guess scientifically, your muscles um, actually cause you to, that endorphin, I guess, the, uh, the hormones that make you happy, to, it comes out as you move your muscles to make a big smile, you know? And when we have our camps with our kids, uh, I told you earlier that we have an orphanage ministry. We have arts and crafts camp and soccer camp, and we give these kids a lot of stuff. We give them uniforms for soccer camp, and, you know, every meal is provided. And arts and crafts camp, we give them hoodies, all these nice things. But if they don't say thank you, we don't give it to them. I know it sounds kind of like cruel, but we teach them, of course, beforehand. You have to say thank you when you receive anything. But if they are like trying, you know, in line to get a burger, and they're like this, give me a burger. We're like, no, what do you say? You know, John Michael has an infamous line that he always says, hayaji. It, always, it means, what do you say in, in Korean, right? But he says it in Korean, and kids laugh a lot. But um, <laughs> no, because it's like really, uh, really cute. But um, so the kids will be like, give me a burger. But when we're like, you have to say thank you, then they recognize that, oh, so this is something I have to be thankful for. So they say thank you and receive the burger with a big smile. But until then, they're just like, whatever, this is a burger. I'm going to eat it. Uh, but what 
that does is by giving thanks and saying thank you, that puts them in a place of thankfulness. And they start enjoying and appreciating the things that they're given. Hmm. So, and one other example is that we have an Oak Tree project. Uh, it's, it's a mentorship program for co- students who want to go to college that grew up in the orphanage. And one of the boys actually gave us a really, really hard time with his attitude. And whenever we talk to him, he is not thankful for anything. We're like, hey, well, how is your life going? What are you thankful for? And he would just be like, oh, nothing. And it's just so uh, difficult for us to mentor him with anything. With this boy is that he is so focused on the misery that he had as a kid, grew up in an orphanage, and the fact that he was abandoned by his parents and whatnot. I think he kind of just his eyes and glasses are kind of on the misery of his life rather than the things that he's blessed with. So he wasn't thankful for $500 that he was receiving every month to go to college so he doesn't have to work. And he wasn't motivated to do well in school, so we had to actually put him on probation. We felt like it was the best thing we could do as a loving parent figure. So if you're not thankful thankful about the things that God's already given you, why should he give you more? So practical way of doing this, uh, having lens of thankfulness, is to start giving thanks for little things that we have in our daily lives. So John Michael has a document of things that he writes down every day on three things how, three things of what he's thankful for starting in 2010. But he's, he said he's done this for like 10 years. But he has yeah, a record of three things each day of what he's thankful for. And some of them are not like a huge thing. Some, some of the things are like, oh, I'm thankful today that, you know, my child, my children, my kid at the children's home gave me a big hug and a big smile. You know, I'm thankful for, for delicious tacos because he loves tacos. And it's hard to get tacos here sometimes, ingredients. You know, sometimes we forget that. The food we eat here, it's a privilege. We don't get to have that. You know, a lot of people don't get to have that. And I'm thankful for getting married today. I put that one in because I'm sure he was thankful for, thankful for it. <laughs> and John Michael and I started sharing five things that we're thankful for every night before we go to sleep. And sometimes, you know, when I'm having a bad day and John Michael asks me all the time, like, what are you thankful for today? And I, I can't answer it because I'm not thankful that day. So I just, like, fight it. Like, I'm not thankful today. But we can't go to sleep until we do it. <laughs> so it's kind of like, okay, then I have to kind of remember the things that I'm thankful for. And I really... Be, you speaking out, oh, I'm thankful for this and that. You can't do it unless your heart is for it. You just try it. Just go and try it at home or something. Because I just could not say what I was thankful for because my heart wasn't thankful. But the moment I was able to say, today I'm thankful for this. And then my heart just changes. My heart just is overwhelmed with gratitude, gratefulness. And then I'm able to remember you know what, regardless of why I had a bad day today, today is a good day because these different things God's given me, I'm thankful for it, you know? Um, and wrong glasses number three. What was that? Regret. I'm going to read verses two, two to four again. It says, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt... <laughs> 
Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Blah, blah, blah. And then, would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Oh, my. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This will be like North Koreans being rescued out of prison camp, and they want to go back to prison camp. Because they feel like that was better than what they had in the wilderness. And do you want me to tell you why regret is wrong or is the wrong glasses to have on? Do you, do you need me to tell you? <laughs> because you can't go back in time. You can't do anything about it. That's, I mean, that's simple answer. But there's something you can do about, which is the present and the future. So why waste time dwelling in it? And why lock yourself away in a place that only keeps you from moving forward? And I know those are silly, simple answers, but more than anything, the truth is that God is God who forgives and redeems. So whatever happened in your past, God, there's nothing that he cannot redeem. There's nothing that he cannot forgive. If you're living with regret because of your something you have done wrong or because of something good you had, there, God can redeem all of that and get, he can make it even better than what you had. And also he can just cleanse you of anything that you have done in the past. Corinthians, first, Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old is gone. It's dead. Behold, the new has come. The past, unless it's good memories, if it's regret, it's, it's filled with regret, it's gone. It's dead. It's no more. But the new has come. We're new creations in God. And reason number four is that God always gives us hope for the future. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If regret is the wrong glasses to wear, the right one would be hope. Psalm 147, 11 says, the, the, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And I want to close with this um, story about a lady named Elizabeth Elliot. How many of you guys know who Elizabeth Elliot is? Yeah. She is a famous Christian author and a speaker. And her husband, Jim Elliot, was actually killed by a tribe in Ecuador as he was trying to bring the gospel to the tribe. But Elizabeth went back as a missionary to the very tribe members that killed her husband and stayed there for two years evangelizing to them, sharing the gospel with them. And this is what she says in her writing. God came down and lived in the same world as as a man. He showed us how to live in this world subject to its vicissitudes, which means a change of circumstances or fortune, and necessities that we might be changed. Not into an angel or a storybook princess, not wafted into another world, but changed into saints in this world. The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. I'm going to read the last part again. The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. You know, guys, we're living a life in vain if we have these wrong glasses on wherever we go. Our lives are short or long, however you look at it. But 
Don't we all want to live a godly life in this one life that we have on earth? You know, to live a godly life and to make the most of it, what we need is God's eyes to see the world through. And in order for us to do that, um, what do we have to do? Many of us have to take off the wrong glasses that we're wearing and put on the right set of glasses, glasses of truth, glasses of new identity that God has for you, and glasses of hope instead of regret. That's what's going to get us through this life, living it to the fullest. Agree? Um, so, as a semi-altar call... <laughs> I want to challenge everyone to do one of these followings. Well, not everyone, actually. Um, those you feel like this message is really speaking to you. Those who have been struggling with these uh, outlooks and uh, these lenses that you have uh, towards life of comparison and criticism and regret, I, I'm going to have people stand up later, but I'm going to um, just lay out what I'm challenging you guys with. Like, you know, people are doing the ice bucket challenge. And I don't think uh, this is a little different. It's not painful like ice bucket challenge. But um, so what I'm going to challenge you with is for one month, you have one month to one, either one, memorize all 36 identities in Christ, which is not hard. Or two, write down three things you're thankful for each day for a month. Say, if you're critical of yourself, write down three things you're thankful for yourself. Say you have, you know, all these anger and whatever um, towards just everyday life. I say, take a moment and um, ask God, what am I thankful for today? And write down three things each day for a month. And if it's somebody, if it's an individual you have a lot of struggle with, I would say, God, I want to see what this person is made for in your eyes so i want to see what i'm thankful for for this person for a month just three things you might start really loving the person at the end of the challenge i think and um you know god can remove these wrong glasses for us but there's also a part we can play it's like we could ask god for a good health but we could also be responsible in doing our parts in exercising and eating, eating well, right? So I, I want us to take this challenge as uh, prayerfully, but also um, just making, uh, making just, uh, I guess, determined to do this so that you could make things right with God.